God's doing something. This is a jubilee year. Be ready. The trumpet is sound throughout the land, much like this. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Kingdom Rock Radio. You are moments away from receiving God's rich word. But first, remember that you can subscribe to our Roku channel as well as our podcast. And don't forget, for more information, you can always contact us at www.kingdomrock.org. And now, here is today's word. Well, welcome, everybody. Welcome once again. Welcome home. Praise the Lord. Let's give the Lord a mighty hand of praise. Hallelujah. Glory to God in the highest. And we want to welcome also our online community. King Rock, let's welcome our online community. Uh, hallelujah. Wherever you are all around the world, we say hello. And we thank you so much for joining us. You are a part of this service as if you were here with us right here, right now. Praise God. Well, as you know, we're in a series entitled Good. We're in the Good series, and this is part number four of the Good series. And remember the word good stands for what? Get out of debt. Get out of debt. So God wants you and I to get out of debt. He wants you to be freed from debt. And this is part number four of that series. And today we're going to be subtitling this, The Year of Jubilee. The Year of Jubilee. That speaks so much about you. So much about you, what the, God, what the Lord is going to do in your life. All right, in this series, as we said before, there are five things. There are five things that we're going to do, and I want to just continue to rehearse these uh, in your rehearse these before you. There are five things that you're going to experience during this series, five things that you're definitely going to learn. You're going to learn them here in this building, and God will also teach you, the Spirit of God will also teach you throughout the week. There will be other books and materials that you will read, other messages that, you will, that He will lead you to. He'll lead you to them. And as He leads you, I implore you, hear them, hear them, hear this word, and get it in you and put it into practice. Amen? Amen. All right, it's not enough just to hear the word. You actually got to do it. All right, so number one, we're going to pay off debt. We're going to eliminate debt. You should expect that. Number two, well, you're going to discover and eliminate wasteful spending. We're going to discover that. And number three, we're going to, um, we're going to give generously, and we're going to break the cycle of poverty. Give generously, break the cycle of poverty. When you do that, I'm telling you, when you begin to give generously, uh, what it's going to do in your life, as we said here, it's going to break the cycle of poverty. It's going to do a great deal as you get out of the mundane. Number four, uh, you're going to generate wealth through opportunities. God's going to give you opportunities to generate wealth, to bring more wealth into your families, into your homes. You just heard the testimony this morning. And uh, number five, you're going to store up wealth for future generations uh, future opportunities and generations, that's going to happen in your life. So expect these things during this series and even after this series is over. Expect this because as the Word of God goes forth, there's an anointing that goes forth with it for you to do it, for you to carry out the Word. Amen? Amen. All right, last week we talked about uh, giving and lending, giving and loaning. Today we're going to talk about again the year of Jubilee. Before we go there, we're going to have to go back to 2 Corinthians, the ninth chapter, 2 Corinthians 9. 2 Corinthians 9. I've got to get this to you. You've got to understand this. Now, 
if you, if you make a note of this as well, whenever you receive money, whenever you receive money, there are three things you must do. Number one, you're going to sow toward eternity. You're going to give to God. First thing you're going to do is give to God. Secondly, the second thing that you're going to do, you're going to honor yourself. You're going to give to yourself in the form of putting things away for you. You're going to save. You're going to save. You should have an opportunity fund that's at least $1,000. But depending on your yearly income, if you make $100,000 a year, praise God, thankful for you, $200,000, if you make up a million dollars a year, you having an opportunity fund of $1,000 is not going to go very far for you. So depending on what your income is, you want to at least start at $1,000. Some may have to start at $500. Having that amount uh, laid up in a bank account somewhere or if you want to lay it up under your mattress. I wouldn't advise it because if you have a house fire, poof, there goes that or someone else or whatever. But lay it up in store. Lay it up. Amen. Have an opportunity fund. Once you've got your opportunity fund established, then we're going to go ahead and go and, and charge and pay off of debt. We're going to charge in guns ablazing, uh, the word of God ablazing, and we're going to pay off this debt. Once debt is paid off, then we can go uh, forward into a massive saving, a massive saving program. We're going to be saving and saving and saving and saving, and you need to save until you get at least six months worth of income saved up at least six months worth of income saved up. Once you get at least six months of income saved up, then we can go into um, investing, investing, investing. All right, these are just some general rules that I give you. So number one, you want to give toward heaven. Number two, you're going to invest in yourself. You're going to save, have an opportunity fund. And the third thing you're going to do is you're going to spend. In your spending, you're going to pay off debt, of course, and then buy the things that you have need of pay bills, so forth and so on. Does everybody understand? Yes. All right. That being said, that takes us right around to uh, 2 Corinthians, the ninth chapter, 2 Corinthians 9, uh, verses 10 and 11. We're going to read this out of the Amplified Bible. Amplified Bible says this, Now he who provides seed for the sower and bread for food will provide and multiply your seed for sowing, that is, your resources, and increase the harvest of your righteousness, which shows itself in active goodness, kindness, and love. Listen to that. He who provides seed for the sower. Sower is a, we can say just simply a farmer, or he, is an, he or she is an investor. God will give you seed or monies to invest he would give you, because the farmer is an, an investor, you think about it, he has seed and he's going to invest it uh, in the ground. He's going to put it in the ground for returns for tomorrow. The seed he sows today, he doesn't eat today. He's sowing that or investing that to harvest tomorrow, okay? Tomorrow could be a month, it could be six months from now or whatever it is, but it is for a future time. I want you to see this again, how God gives two things. He gives seed for sowing, seed for sowing, or money for investing. And he also gives bread for food, bread to eat. Bread is what you eat today. It's what you eat today. Bread is not for tomorrow. It is for consuming today. Everybody got that? 
So whenever you get finances in your hand, you're going to have to ask the Lord, Lord, what is, how much of this is seed? Of, that is, how much of this should I give in terms of investment for the future? You're going to invest in the kingdom of God, and then eventually you're going to make investments in other things, uh, rental properties or, or what, however the Lord tells you to invest. How much of this is used for investing, first of all, toward the kingdom of God, and how much of this do I use for today? Uh, for today may mean that particular day or over that month or in that budget period. You got me? You're going to have to ask God that because this is how you will build and generate wealth. Now, verse 11 tells you again why he's giving you the wealth, why he's giving you the wealth or why he's establishing you in wealth. And it says this, uh, rather back up to verse 10. I want you to see this part here. It says, <clears throat> again, it says, now he who provides seed for the sower and bread for food will provide and multiply your what? Your seed. God will provide and multiply your seed for sowing. He will provide, God will provide you and multiply your seed for sowing. He didn't say he's going to multiply your bread. He's going to multiply your seed. Now, seed here in Amplified talks about your resources, what you have. He said, I will multiply your resources. I will multiply your resources and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Righteousness being here uh, or, or shows itself in your active, your active goodness, kindness, and love. So basically, the Father said, I will give you... I will give you resources and I will multiply the resources so that you can be active in love and in kindness so that you can show um, uh, love, kindness, and, and goodness. Everybody understand that? He said simply from this verse, I'm giving you wealth. I'm giving you resources. I will multiply your resources so that you can show uh, goodness kindness, love. That's what that says. Are you hearing me? Verse number 11, the very next verse picks up with that same thought and really backs it up. It says, you will be enriched in every way so that, say so that, so that that you may be what? Generous. He said, you'll be enriched in every way so that you may be generous And this generosity administered uh, through us is producing thanksgiving to God from those who benefit. All right? So he says, hey, I'm giving you the wealth so that you can be generous. I'm giving you the wealth so that you can be generous. And this generosity, uh, this wealth is going to people that are in need. So I want you to take care of some people. I want you to do some things. Now, as a general rule... All farmers or productive people will eat. All productive people will eat, but not, but not all who eat are farmers. Okay? All investors will eat of your labor. Okay? But not all those who eat from your labor has invested. Does that make sense? We can say it this way. All farmers will harvest... Uh, all farmers will eat the harvest of what they have sown, but not everyone who eats has sown in the field. You will generate finances. You will generate funds. God will use you as his storehouse. 
as his storehouse. And you'll see this so that you may be generous. So that you may be generous. Let me show you a few other verses that will back this up. Let's go back to Deuteronomy 8, 18 and 19. Very familiar. It says, but thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth. Why? That you may establish his covenant, which he swear unto thy fathers as it is this day. He said, I will give you wealth. I'm giving you resources so that you can establish my covenant, my plans, my purposes, my promises in the earth. In other words, he's not just giving you money so that you can go and do whatever. Now, of course, the Lord wants to satisfy his children. He'll give you good things. Amen. Amen. Your life will be filled with good things, good things, but not at the expense of his kingdom. Does does that make sense? Notice the next verse. He says, uh, let me finish reading. He said uh, that, that he may establish his covenant, which he swear unto thy fathers as it is this day. Verse 19. And it shall be, if thou do at all forget the Lord thy God, and walk after other gods, and serve them, and worship them, I testify against you this day, that ye shall surely perish. Uh, So someone asked the question, well, how can I forget about God? Who would ever forget that, you know, there is a God, or that that God exists? No, uh, look at this in, in terms of the context of Scripture When people get money, when man gets money, when flesh gets money or resources, we have a tendency not to honor God. This forgetting God talks about when we don't honor him, where we go after our own lusts, where we go after our own desires, and we may uh, may not remember, oh, I I got to bless the Lord. In other words, he becomes last on the list. I got my stuff. You understand, God. I got this and that to do now. He said, remember, he said, be very cautious when wealth comes into your hands that you don't forget the Lord. Now, how do we remember the Lord? How do we remember him? He says, don't forget the Lord. So how should we remember the Lord? Same thing we said in the very beginning, always putting the Lord first, bringing him the first fruits of your labor. When you bring the first fruits before the Lord, the first parts of the income, the first parts of the increase, you're not forgetting him. That's how you remember the Lord, because you're saying to him, Lord, I remember you. It is you that has given me this power to get the wealth. It is you that has given me these resources, and I bring them before you. In loving kindness, Lord, I bring them before you cheerfully. I worship and honor you with this. Does that make sense? Hallelujah. Now, let's go back again. Deuteronomy 15. Um, I want you to see this verse number four again. Let's go over this very quickly. Verse four says, there should be no poor among you. The word says there should be. There should be no poor among you. For the Lord your God will greatly bless you in the land uh, he is giving you as a special possession. God said, there should be no poor among you. If everybody does right, if everybody does what they're supposed to, this plan works out. God's plan works. There should be no poor among you. Look at verse number uh, 10 and 11. Uh, Let me back up and finish reading verse 4. There should be uh, no poor among you, for the Lord your God will greatly bless you in the land uh, he is giving you as a special possession. Verse number 10, give generously to the poor. Remember, he said, I I will bless you generously. Second thing he says here, give generously to the poor, not grudgingly. 
for the Lord your God will bless you in everything you do. There will always be some in the land who are poor. That is why I'm commanding you to share freely with the poor and with other Israelites in need. Are you hearing? All right, so there's always going to be someone in need. There's always going to be someone in need. And when you give to them out of loving kindness, out of a good heart, out of kindness, you are expressing the love of God. You are expressing the kindness of God. They are seeing God in you. They are seeing God in you. They are seeing his presence manifested. When you are generous toward them, especially when they don't deserve it, they're seeing an act of Christ. They're seeing Christ revealed. Are you hearing? Hallelujah. But first, you must have the wealth to do that. You must have more than enough to do that. So in your prayers, you have to pray, Lord, empower me with wealth so that I may show your love to the world, so that I may show your kindness to the world, so that I may show your goodness to the world, so that their attention may be turned towards you. Amen? Amen. Amen. Notice now, when someone gives you money, if someone came to you right now and gave you a $100 bill and put it in your hand, you have their, their full attention. I mean, you are, you're set on them. You're set on you're, you're set to listen to what they say. If you're in need, if you're in need of a rent, if your rent is behind and you're about to be put out and someone comes and, and gives money, your whole attention is on them. What do you have to say? You want, you want to listen to what they have to say. When they help you out of that jam, help you out of that circumstance, their ears are open to you. Why? Because a generous heart, a generous heart, it commands an ear. It commands an ear. It commands or demands that they listen to you when you have a generous heart, when you have a giving heart. Are you hearing? When you have a giving heart. Now, uh, so say with me, I am God's storehouse. storehouse. Say with me, I am God's wealthy place. I am God's wealthy place. place. All right. And let me add to that, too. You have the gift of God within you, and you are the gift of God that God has sent into the world to solve problems. You have the gift of God within you, and you are the gift of God that the Lord has sent into the world to solve problems. It's you. It's you. Hallelujah. All right, let's look now at um, going back to Deuteronomy uh, 15, verses 1, uh, really verse number 1, as we begin to talk about the year Jubilee and how all of that relates to you today. So uh, let's look at this. Uh, Deuteronomy 15, verse number 1, it says, at the, end of the, at the end of every seven years, thou shalt make a release. At the end of every seven years, thou shalt make a a release. Now that release, as I gave you a definition before, um, that is the word Shemitah, Shemitah. At the end of every, every seven years, count them off, you're one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. On the seventh year, you're going to make a release. That is the Shemitah year, also called the sabbatical year, the sabbatical year. In that year, all debts are canceled, all debts are canceled, and every Hebrew slave that has worked uh, let's say you own a slave, and if they are a Hebrew and not a, not a foreigner, if they have worked for you six years, 
uh, and they are, you are somewhat, you know, their master or their owner. They're your slaves. In the seventh year, you have to release them. But not just release them, you let them go with pay. You bless them richly because you remember that the Lord, that that, uh, children of Israel were, were once slaves in Egypt and how they went out of Egypt. They went wealthy out of Egypt. So the Lord said, I want you to do this same thing. If you own a Hebrew slave and they work for you six years on the seventh year, release them on that Shemitah year, that sabbatical year, release them and send them out with wealth. Because that points to what the Lord also did for you. And also uh, in the seventh year, he says, do not work the land. We're going to look at this in Leviticus 25. Don't work the land. Uh, That is, let the land rest. Don't plant anything and also don't harvest anything. Don't plant and don't harvest. You say, well, how are we going to live? God says, don't plant, don't harvest. How am I going to eat? The Lord was showing them that he could take care of them because what they were going to eat was things, uh, were things that were uh, naturally coming up from the ground. God was going to provide other means for them. So they may have planted a lot of crops in the sixth year, but the seventh year, they can't harvest any of it or eat any of it because the Lord was showing them that I am the one who provides for you. So that seventh year, that sabbatical year, the land had to rest. There was a rest over the entire land, and the Lord was showing them that I'm the one who's going to provide for you. Now, I want you to see this as we look in this, as we uh, look further. So the sabbatical year, that's that's what happened there. Now, let's look at what happens during the sabbatical year. Once again, you're going to notice these. The land goes back to the, uh, rather than the jubilee year, we'll look at this. Sabbatical year is different from the jubilee year because in the jubilee year, uh, if you own someone else's land, ancestral land, you have to return that land to them. Remember when they came, children of Israel came from, uh, the, came from Egypt, went through the wilderness, and when they crossed over to the Red Sea, God, rather they crossed over Jordan, God told them, I'll give you all this land, all this promised land, I'm giving it all to you. And every tribe would now get their own land. Okay, that would be their ancestral land. All right, so whoever was first over, that's your 100 acres or whatever. That's your 80 acres. That's your 200 acres or whatever it was. Your family owned that land. But through some kind of hardship or something, they may have had to sell their land to someone else. Well, at the, in a jubilee year, that land goes back to the original family. If anyone's still alive in that family, that land goes right back to them. Now, all that's very important, and I really want to uh, get that over to you. So, as we talk, let's go over now. We, let's, let's go over now to um, Leviticus 25. Leviticus 25. Leviticus 25, you're going to see, it talks about the Day of Atonement. It talks about the Jubilee. And we'll also talk about uh, Rosh Hashanah. These are all terms that you that you really got to know. That you really got to know. It talks about Rosh Hashanah. Talks about the head of the year, the head of the year, or the first of the year. Now, for us, the first of the year happened on last Sunday. The first of the year, head of the year. So we're actually in a new year now. 
And on the 8th, about 10 days, the days between the head of the year, Rosh Hashanah, to the Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement is also called Yom Kippur. Those 10 days, or those days between um, the head of the year, Rosh Hashanah, and Yom Kippur, are called the Days of Awe. The Days of Awe. These are the days for repentance. These are the days that we cry out before the Lord and we seek his face. Now, in Jewish culture, those were the days that the Jewish rabbis say that, um, that God will decide who will be in the book of the living or who will be in the book of the dead. Because it is said that during those times at the head of the year that Satan goes before God, Satan and the fallen, the sons of God, they go before God and they accuse the brethren. Not just uh, those who are members of the body of Christ, but all of mankind. And it is they that go before God and say, this year, this year, I want to bring this calamity on this person, this calamity on that household. This year, these are my plans. I want to destroy this, take their marriage, take their money, so forth and so on, as they go up before the courts of heaven, much like uh, the devil did with, with Job, how they appeared before the Lord on a certain day. So many Jewish scholars say that that day is Rosh Hashanah at the head of the year, head of the year. And so this is why uh, the Jews, devout Jews, would go before God and really cry out before the Lord and repent of their sins. Uh, but as far as the born and believer, as far as us, Jesus is our Messiah. He is the one who has taken our sins away. So I don't have to worry about, we don't have to worry about the devil condemning me to death because Jesus has taken that away. However, we can still go before the Lord and entreat him or ask him to bless us in this new year, prophesying and declaring the jubilee over our lives. I don't have to worry about you as a born-again believer. We don't have to worry about being in the book of the dead when God has already put our name in the Lamb's book of life. So I don't have to worry about the devil's accusations. Oh, God's going to kill me because I've been bad. No, my righteousness is found in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. But the enemy still goes forth and and accuses and accuses and accuses and tries to set up traps for us for the coming year. So at the end of Rosh Hashanah, again, at the beginning of the year, throughout the days of until the day of atonement. Now, the day of atonement is when the high priest would go and they would take the animal, the sacrifice, and uh, they would take uh, two goats. Uh, one goat for sacrificing and his blood was shed upon the altar. Uh, the high priest would lay his hands. Uh, he would confess over the goat, confess over the animal, the sins of all the people. And he would lay his hands upon the goat there, and then they would put the goat upon the altar, and they would kill the goat. In other words, that animal would die for the sins of the people. Then they would take the second goat, we call it today, and it was called then a scapegoat. And uh, the high priest would lay hands upon that thing, and, and uh, then they would let the goat go into the wilderness, taking the sins away from the people out of, out of the camp. So one, uh, and Jesus obviously has done both of this for us. He has died for our sins, and he has also taken our sins far away from us. 
When he died, understand this, when he died upon the cross and he said, Father, why hast thou forsaken me? Why hast thou forsaken me? Because at that moment, all of the sins of humanity, my sin, your sin was upon Christ. He was that scapegoat. All of that was upon him. And when he died, he took our sins far away from us into the pits of hell and burned them up into the lake of fire. Now there's no more record of our sins ever again because Jesus has, number one, he has died for our sins. Remember the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin, no forgiveness of sins. So Jesus had to shed his blood so that we could be forgiven. And he took our sins away, burning them up in the pits of hell. So that's been taken care of. Jesus is now our high priest that, that forever makes intercession for us, and his blood covers us. Not only, uh, as, we, as we talk about God's courtroom, not only uh, has the Father set Jesus as judge, he's the judge of the living and the dead, but Jesus is also your attorney. He's our advocate. So Jesus is the judge that sits on the, uh, sits on the throne in a judge's chair, and he's also your attorney. So there's nothing the devil can say or accuse you of that Jesus cannot defend you with and also render you a verdict in your favor. Are you hearing? All this is in Christ. All this is, all this is within him. Now, very briefly, let's look at, so that's the Day of Atonement. And on the Day of Atonement, uh, the priest would blow the shofar. They would actually blow the shofar. Uh, shofar, there are two types here we have here today. One is the ram's horn. This is a ram's horn. They would blow the shofar. Now, the blowing of the shofar symbolized many things. One, the blowing of the shofar symbolized the day, I believe in the book of Exodus, when the children of Israel first heard the trumpet sound, first heard the ram's horn sound there at Mount Sinai, when a big cosmic blast, God blast of a large trumpet sound. It got louder and louder and louder, letting the people know that God was about to speak, that God was about to do something. And when the enemy hears the trumpet blast, the, the blow of the shafar of the ram's horn, which sounds like this, When he hears the blowing of the shofar, it confuses him. It confuses him and puts him in bewilderment. But be bewilderment because he doesn't know uh, God is about. Is God about to do something? Is is God about to do something? Is God about to do something? So when the people of God heard the the blast, it brought them to attention and it confuses the adversary. It confuses him. Now there's another shofar. Uh, this this is called. Uh, this is also a shofar, but it is from the uh, kudu, uh, the kudu animal, and uh, this is also a kosher kosher shofar, and it sounds like this. So when the people of God heard the shofar sound, when they heard the shofar sound, it brought them to attention. And at the same time, it renders the enemy, it puts them in some type of confusion. They don't know what's going on. You see that also at the battle of Jericho, God tells the people to march around the walls, march around the walls. And on that seventh time, you're marching around the wall, blow the shofar, blow the trumpets. That word trumpet is interpreted uh, shofar. Blow the shofar and the walls of the city will fall down flat. You see that same sort of thing there with Gideon. 
with getting in and it's 300. They were outnumbered 40 to 1, 40 or 50 to 1. There's no way in the world they could have won that battle. But God gave Gideon the battle plans. He said, I want you to stand on the hill there. And he, and he took, told every man to take a pitcher, uh, a pitcher, some, some, some form of a clay pot, I believe, and take a shofar. And Gideon said, watch me break the shofar, uh, rather, uh, break the pitcher. Uh, and that sound of the pitcher breaking sound like a, a sword being unsheathed. He said, break the pitcher and then blow the shofar. (laughs) And blow the shofar, whichever shofar they had, blow the shofar. And when the enemy heard that, again, the blowing of the shofar confused the enemy. It confused the adversary. And what happened? They began to fight and turn against themselves. Turn against themselves. So the Lord tells them in in Leviticus 25, you'll have to get it later. He tells them in Leviticus 25, at the beginning of the year, blow the shofar. The blowing of the shofar was to remind the people, pay attention now, God's about to speak. Pay attention now, God's about to do something. And then he also tells them to blow it on the day of atonement. Blow the shofar on the day of atonement. God's about to do something. Get ready, get ready. Now, if if there has been seven cycles of Sabbath years, seven cycles of seven years, uh, that is, 49 year on the 49th year God said this will be a jubilee unto you this will be a jubilee unto you now let me give you the results of a jubilee in a jubilee year once again the uh, the land goes back to the original owner also all debts are released all debts are paid all slaves are free, whether you have, they have worked for you for one year or the six years, like in the Shemitah, all slaves, all captives are set free. Not just the Hebrews, all of them are set free in a jubilee year. All debts are canceled. That is, the collectively, everybody goes back to a reset. And the Lord said, just like in the Shemitah year, here's really important. Just like in a Shemitah year, you cannot work the land in a jubilee year. This is a holy year unto the Lord. You can't plant and you can't harvest in a, in a jubilee year. Well, what are they supposed to do? Now, unlike in a Shemitah year, God said, well, the land will provide for you. I'm going to show you what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm going to make sure you have provision because I'm going to cause the land to produce to you and you're going to eat from that. But in a jubilee year, the sixth year before the jubilee or the uh, 48th year, so to speak, before the jubilee, God said, I will give you three times as much harvest. Three times as much harvest than you did prior to that. As a matter of fact, when you go back to planting in the year after the Jubilee, you're still going to be eating from that harvest that God gave you. Leading up to the ninth year, you will still be eating of that same harvest. You'll have so much. God said, I'm going to show you that I am Lord. I'm going to show you that I am God. I will give you three times as much. That is, that's talking about supernatural wealth and supernatural prosperity that occurs in the Jubilee year. So what does that mean? All of that talks about Christ and what Jesus would do for us. Because Jesus would once again return us 
us to our native soil, to the land of our ancestors, to the land of our origin. What's our origin? Heaven. He, we will be returned to heaven. In other words, we'll be in favor with God, reconnected back to the Father. Our sin debts would be completely obliterated, completely paid. And what about slavery? Slavery to sin, bondage to sin, uh, addictions and all these things. Jesus would break every last one of those in that jubilee year and we will be collectively freed now the bible says that in a jubilee year uh, the trumpet has to sound throughout the land the shofar has to sound throughout the land telling the people again god is speaking god's doing something god is speaking god's doing something this is a jubilee year be ready the trumpet is sound throughout the land much like this So they would sound the trumpets throughout the entire land, throughout the entire land. They didn't have cell phones and all these things, emails and telegrams and all of that stuff. So one person would pick up the shofar on this side of, on this side of the neighborhood or what have you, and they would go... And then someone else would hear that, oh, it's Jubilee, it's Rosh Hashanah, or oh, it's the Day of Atonement. Then they would pick up theirs, and then they would blow. And then they, someone else would hear it, and they would blow. And so the sound of the shofar would go throughout the land until the last trumpet sounds. Until the last shofar sounds, until the last trump sounds. Now, when the last trump sounds, that lets you know the jubilee is complete. It has been announced. Now, if you know your Bible, you should also realize that the jubilee is also known as the day when Christ returns. Because at the last trump, when it sounds, the dead in Christ will arise. When the last trump is sound, the dead in Christ will rise, then we which are alive will meet them in the air. We'll all be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. So when's the next jubilee year? Well, it's not known. We don't know. Jesus Christ can come back at any time. You look at many commentaries and many scholars, many Jewish scholars, they can't tell you for certain when the next jubilee will when the next jubilee uh, is on the calendar. No one really knows, but we do know that during this time of year, after Rosh Hashanah, the head of the year, we do know the enemy comes and makes war against the saints. We do know he makes war against all humanity. We do know he goes before he goes before God. And we do know that the people of God are faithful to blow the shofar, confusing the enemy and declaring God's blessings over our lives. And we look for the return of the Lord Jesus, our Messiah, to come and crack the sky and take the church home. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Take his body home. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. We are anxious for that day when the trumpets are heard again when we are looking for the return of the Lord 
I pray for the word of God today. We're going to stop there in Jesus' name. We pray that you have been richly blessed by today's message. Remember, if you would like to hear today's message in its entirety or hear the entire series, just go to our website at www.kingdomrock.org. That's kingdomrock.org. You can also subscribe to our podcast and get it on the go. And if you have a Roku device, make sure you search for Kingdom Rock TV. In there, you will find this program and so much more. We would also love to see you in a live service. Just go to our website to get the details at www.kingdomrock.org. Until next time, remember that Jesus loves you and so do we. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way.